Good morning again, church. Refresh. We're in wrapping up our refresh series. You I mean, you know, refresh, you know, you know, that refresh button on your computer. Everybody in the digital age knows that it looks differently in the different apps. It looks differently in all the, the different well, things that you're working on. But you know, that idea that if you, if you swipe the screen down, or if you click on the little circle, that there's going to be new data that's going to come in and that's going to change the dynamic of what it is that you're working on. They're going to swipe down and there'll be some new hit for us. There'll be something that will bring us something good, something that will help us do what it is that we're working on. Refresh, And the point is, is that we're going to need to refresh the data in our lives and update what it is we're doing in order to live and thrive in our faith during this season of time in our world. It's the same rhythms. We've, we're doing the same thing that we've always done, the church has. We're just going to have to update how we do it, right? Duh, you're watching us on TV from home. But, that's, but it's the same ancient rhythms. If you saw the subtitle of our sermon series, it's... it's it's uh, updating our rhythms to thrive in our faith. Same rhythms, connect with one another, worship on Sunday mornings together, come to the word of God, figure out how to feed ourselves spiritually, go back to the basics when we're feeling dry spiritually. All those things that we've talked about in this sermon series, it's the same stuff we've always done, but each thing is gonna have to be lived out a little bit differently in each season. Hasn't been, that's not all that different from the fact that when we were children, we lived out our faith in one way, when we were teenagers, another way, and so on. There were different seasons of life for us. Well, we're in a whole season now, and we want to make sure we refresh these ancient rhythms, really, and live the way that we need to live now. Today, I want to talk about refreshing the way in which we're going to love the world. Refreshing the way in which we're going to love the world. The truth is, is that this ministry that we have, this life in Christ is about loving the world. I mean, that's what God did, right? John three sixteen, the most famous verse in the world for God so what? Loved. Yep. Okay. Good job. I saw a couple of you uh, mouth the word. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. He so loved the world that he came in order to bring salvation. God's ministry is a ministry of love. It's all throughout the scriptures. Some of us yesterday in a smaller group, were talking about Ephesians chapter one, where we've been blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us, it says in Ephesians one, in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to full sonship and daughtership in accordance with his pleasure and his desire, his will. I mean, this is all through the scriptures. This is a ministry of love that, that God has. And God has asked us as his people, as his church, corporately, individually, he's asked us to walk with him in that ministry of love, that ministry of reconciliation. Write down this chapter and go read it later. Second Corinthians chapter five. There's this idea of the, the ministry of reconciliation. If I was to paraphrase it. It's, it's this idea that the, the Paul's writing to the church. He goes, look at, we don't look at people as just humans. We don't look at ourselves that way. We don't look at the world that way. No, if anyone is in Christ, he's new. The old has gone. The new has come. And this is what God did. He gave us this reconciliation through Christ. And now don't miss it church. Listen. And he invites us, calls us into that ministry of reconciling people to himself. Oh man, that's, that's so great. Well, that ministry of reconciliation, that way of serving Jesus, that way of living for God, that is a ministry of love. That's what it is. It's not about doing stuff for God. It's not about serving Jesus. And that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the, we got to refresh how it is we serve God 
in this era. But it's not just about doing those things. It's about being part of a ministry of love because that's what God has done. I don't want you to miss that, by the way, before we get into the text, before we get into my encouragement around this, I don't want you to miss that point that we as believers, ready for this? We're lovers of the world. That's what our ministry is. We're called to go love the world. I want to remind us of that because that's not the reputation that Christians have always had. Christians have had the reputation of hating the world. There's verses in the scripture that says, listen, don't love the world or anything in the world. And you know what that means? That means don't love the systems of the world. Don't love the values of the world. Don't love the self-centeredness of the world. Don't love the sin and the brokenness of, of the world, but love the people who God has come to love. We're lovers. Now, what a joy to be. I'm, I'm a lover of the world. Here we go. Let's go love the world. Well, let's talk about how we refresh that. I want to talk about what that love looks like to begin with and then how it might be refreshed in this season that we're in now. So you ready to talk about being lovers? Isn't this good news? We get to go love the world, church. What does that look like, loving the world? Well, we are going to love the world the way that God loved the world. He's going to be our example. So I want you to see this text. If you have your Bible, you can look at it a little more carefully uh, as we go through the rest of the sermon, but it's also going to be on the screen. This is 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, starting in, in verse 9, and it says this. This is how God showed his love among us. You see where I'm going with this? This is going to be a a God's example. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And verse 11, dear friend, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Boy, I just love that last phrase. Even we're not even going to get to it in my sermon, but no one's ever seen God. The world can't see, see God, but if we love them, his, his, they're going to be able to see him. If he, if, if we love them and we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. And people get a vision of God that way. Well, that's following God's pattern and definition of love. Here's what I think it looks like. And here's three quick points to sort of just remind us of what this ministry of love under God's example looks like. First, love takes the initiative. Love takes the initiative. Verse 10 of that text said, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he first loved us. That's the, the weight of that text. That God loves us by taking the initiative. He first loved, loved us. There is very little in the world that feels more like love than when someone takes the initiative with you. Am I right about that? I mean, that's how we know that it's love, that it feels like love because someone has taken the initiative. When someone does something to you, when you do something to someone else where the, where the reaction is, whoa, they didn't have to do that. Now we're getting close to love. Now we're getting close to what God did. God set out to love us first when we didn't deserve it, when we don't love him back, when the world has turned its back on him over and over. That's love takes the initiative. That's a God-like love. Man, such a difference between when 
we're willing to do something for someone when they ask, right? We're willing to step up if somebody goes, I really need you to do this for me, or I really need this. That, that's faithful. That's helpful. Um, but that's not love. Love takes the initiative. I, I've shared this story before because it was such a mind blower. Here I am wanting to love my neighbors and be in my neighborhood. And one day I got a, a load of wood delivered and I'm out there stacking the wood. And um, usually I just made my kids do it, but I must've been like, uh, they must've been all in college or something. So I'm out there stacking a cord of wood um, that got dumped in my driveway. And I just began to do this task when my next door neighbor just appears with his gloves and then his son appears with his gloves and they just start stacking my wood. And I'm like, what are you doing here? And they're like, what? You got a whole bunch of wood to stack. Like it was like, well, that's, we're going to come down here and see what you're all about. And we're going to enter into your journey. How if I had said to them, Hey, you guys, this is a lot of wood for me to stack. Can you come over at 11 o'clock tomorrow? They would have said, sure, we'll help you, Jeff. But love was expressed that they just looked and saw that and jumped in. Now, friends, that's a very small thing. But by the way, it's not insignificant because I'm still talking about it. Am I right? But it's a very small thing. It's a metaphor for us taking the initiative to reach into people's lives, taking the initiative to reach in and be a part of movements that change the world, to take the initiative and reach across borders and boundaries and oceans and speak in, give, serve in other places and serve and love other people. It's us taking the initiative. That's the beginning of the definition of love. Love takes the initiative. That's what God did. That's how we love. Gosh, what would it look like for you to do that? Second, love takes the initiative, but love gives sacrificially. Love takes the initiative to give sacrificially. There's a sacrifice component in that whatever is being initiated Verse nine of the text says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world. This is how God, don't miss that in the text. This is how God showed his love. He sacrificed his son. That's what he did. He came and gave his son to us that we might have life in Christ. That's God's sacrifice. See, we know it is a gift of love when we know that it costs somebody something in some way. We know, wow, that was costly to them. And so that's what love looks like for us. That's a very kingdom of God thing to do, isn't it? That there's sacrifice involved. There's a dying to ourselves. There's a giving up of something. I mean, you think about the way we talk about stewardship, that we release our resources to the Lord and let because we're his servants, we're his stewards. And so everything we have is laid before him. And we even talk about when people talk about, yeah, I want to give my resources to the kingdom of God coming. I want to give my resources to strengthen the ministry of the church, all that stuff that we talk about. Those of us that are committed believers and part of the body. Yeah. I mean, we say those kinds of things. We, people go, how much do I give? And we go 10% of this and that, you know, the, the, the famous language of, of our, uh, our, our dear Art Greco was always like, I give just a little bit more uh, then is painful. Um, just enough to where I'm tempted to not want to give it. <laughs> then I know that there's the sacrifice that's in that piece because I'm releasing that to the Lord and I'm all in, in love. You hear it? Love is that we give, we, we take the initiative to give sacrificially. Wow. What does it look like to sacrifice these days? I mean, it may be finances. It, it may be time. There's a time piece. Our time is so important to us right now. And we have to lay down our lives and give somebody time. That's significant. 
But there's other stuff. There's comfort. There's giving up our advantage. There's giving up power. There's giving up our prestige. There's giving up our position. There's all kinds of ways in which we're looking around the world going, oh man, how do I love the world right now? Well, I'm going to give up some things. That's how I'm going to do it. And if it's not costing me, it's not the same love that God gave to the world. You hear me, church? You with me on that? God's example is that he came, he gave the, took the initiative to give sacrificially. Hey, I'm going to say something just real quick about sacrifice. I think there's a, there's a dirty little secret happening right now. See if this might not, take this to the Lord, see if this might not be true a little bit in, in, in you. The dirty little secret is this COVID thing, this having to shelter in place, this staying away from people. Some of us are actually like, oh, that's kind of sweet. <laughs> sort of tired of people. I'm tired of loving people. I'm tired of being engaged with people. I'm tired of being out there with people. I kind of like that I get to drink and watch Netflix. That's not good for our souls, friends. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. We have to figure out in our world today, how do we take the initiative to give sacrificially, not go more me, more me, more me, just about me. Well, that's how God loved and that's how we're going to love. This third part about it is that love, not only does love take the initiative to give sacrificially, but it does that in order to meet the needs of others to meet the needs of others. It's about other people. It's the ultimate in selfless living. It's the ultimate of non-self-determination. It's about following God into meeting other people's needs. Verse nine in the text says that, that he came that we might, um, uh, that we would, we might, he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins so that we might live through him. It was so that we would have life. He sacrificed so that life would come to us. And verse 10 says that he sent his son as that atoning sacrifice. There was this sacrifice that was made for our sins. It was atoning. Something happened in our lives because of what God did. You see, his love was directed at our real need for our benefit, not for his benefit only that he would feel some sort of a warm fuzzy, or it's certainly not the way we often live that we end up having some sentiment or some virtue signaling that the way we're loving is just a way to make ourselves feel better about ourselves. Friends, that's not love. Love is taking the initiative to give sacrificially to meet the needs of other people. That we would think, what do they need? That's what love is. What is it that they need right now? And I'm going to sacrifice in order to do that. I know this is challenging and hard because, man, I'm telling you what, we really do like to just live and contain and take care of ourselves. But that's not the ministry that God's given us. Being others-centered, not self-centered, is our biggest struggle how do we get to the place where we can see what other people need and reach out and love them according to what it is that they need from us? Now, there's lots of, lots of ways in which we mess that up in serving Jesus, in loving people. But God calls us to the purity of that vision, the way that he loved so that's, that's the same rhythm that the church has always been living out, giving sacrificially, taking the initiative, meeting other people's needs. And so that was, so how though are we then you guys going to be able to refresh this in where we're living now and how it is that we're engaging with the world and the way in which we're not able to engage with the world? How do we refresh it? I want to give you three questions as an encouragement that you maybe you write down and take to the Lord in prayer. And I hope by the way, you took that, that those, those encouragements around, um, uh, the, the, the definition of love that God gave, that, that you would take that to heart as well. 
um, and think about how you're loving. But how is it that we actually uh, can figure out how to do it now? And by the way, did I say this already? We're going to do a little question and answer at the end of this talk in just a couple of minutes. And we want to do that not because this particular sermon, you know, we think lends ourselves to it in any way, but um, particularly, but because we want to just continue to engage and, and remind you to, to, for you to continue to engage with the message and go, what does this raise for me now? What questions do I have? So if anything's coming to mind, we'll teach, teach you in a few minutes about how to, how to do your, the hand raised thing. And, and we'll have a couple minutes of conversation. But here's three questions that I want you to ask yourself as you go into the week and reflect on the message of God's word today from 1 John and, and, uh, and Jesus's God's example of loving us through Christ. First, ask this. This is a who question. Who is in my circle of influence? As I try to figure out how to love the world, just ask the simple question, who is in my circle of influence? I mean, I'm talking about your world right now, your world in this season, and that's your work and your family and your church and your smaller group, your community group. We hope you're joining a community group in our church. I mean, it's those kinds of things like who's right now in my world. Those are the people that I start with. When often we think, oh, I've got this ministry of love in the world. What do I do? Well, open your eyes. The people that are right there with you are the people that we start with, Right. And who is in that world? It's those folks. It's your neighborhood. Then it's your community. I mean, my gosh, it's your love, your political representatives that are your people, you know, that, that are in the systems in our government. I mean, that's a way to engage with the political dialogue, uh, what you can do. So right there, your world in this season. And don't miss not only those people that, you know, you could just list them right now. This is my world. But also think about your world in the moment. The moment by moment stuff that God brings up to you, right? How fun is it to open your eyes during the day and go, oh, I've got a ministry of reconciliation. I've got a ministry of love to the world. Who do I love? Well, boom, who is God putting up in front of you? At each step of the way, who are the people that are right there, right in, in front uh, of your face? Um, I mean, do you know the name of your mail carrier? Right? Do, do you know the names of your neighbor's kids? Like those are the people that kind of come up right in front of you. So who is it that is in your circle of influence that you could then just begin to love by taking the initiative, giving sacrificially, figuring out what their needs are and meeting some of those needs? Who's in your circle of influence? Second is a what question. What is in my heart? You want to ask. What's in my heart? I know some of you just run from that thought about your heart because you don't trust your hearts. Friends, remember that when you say yes to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is given to indwell you and he it dwells in your heart. Romans 8, you can go read it. It's like if the Spirit of Christ is in you, then you have life, that you are led as sons and daughters of a gracious, kind, and generous father. So you can get inside, touch with what is inside you in your heart. This is a sentence I wrote. What are your biblically informed Holy Spirit fired up loves and hates? Those are things that God stirs in you when you're in the word and you're learning about God and you're possessed with the Holy Spirit. You, what's happening inside your heart is God revealing himself to you and it's part of your call. That's why you talk to people about what they get involved with and you're like, wait, how did you get up so specific? Like, what's that thing? Like, you've got a heart for kids in under-resourced areas who uh, are behind in their reading level. Like, how, like that's so specific. And then somebody else is like, my heart, clean water in Africa, building wells, right? Others, I'll tell you what it is. It's my kid's teacher. I don't know what God's doing in me, but I, I want that person to know and experience our love, support, and blessing. I want them to know the love of God through us. 
I mean, you could just, if we brainstormed, you'd just be like, oh my gosh, there's so many things that God could be putting on people's hearts. What is your biblically informed, Holy Spirit fired up loves and hates? Start to get in touch with that. And that's the hand of God pushing you, nudging you toward the things that you need to invest in. I got friends that are heavily involved in helping under-resourced people in our neighborhood. I've got friends that are heavily involved in, here's their specific thing. They are sending kids to college uh, in the, in East Bay communities and college is their, is their heart and their draw for them because they didn't come from settings where the schools could help them. Parents could help them get their grades in a place, get applied, get scholarships and get to college. Right. It's just such cool, uh, specific calls on our lives. We, I have friends who intercede for our church and specifically for leaders in our church, including pastors by praying for them and for their children every day by name. What a way, man, you, you know how loved I feel by that? That somebody is on their knees for my adult daughters and son? That's so cool. All right. What's God put on your heart? You can ask that question and lean into it. It's the beginning of understanding God's call in your life to love. Oh, I want to keep preaching that. I can't. Third and last, ask this question. How am I postured? So we had a who question, who's in your sphere of influence, a what question, what's in my heart, and then how question. How am I postured to know what God is saying to me? How, how am I postured to know how God is leading me? Okay. And maybe this is where some of your questions are going to get, are going to come from, because this is always the question we get, right? How do I know that's God? What? I got all these thoughts and feelings. Let me just give you a couple of random thoughts. If you're taking notes, just jot these down, take them back to the Lord this week. One, be consciously, continually filled with the Holy Spirit who indwells you. Spiritual breathing, breathe in more of you, Holy Spirit. I know you've come to dwell in my life. I want to experience you more. I want to hear you more. I want to walk with you more. And by the way, I'm looking at some people taking notes right now and it warms my little pitter patter pastor heart. Well done. Okay. How, how, uh, be consciously filled with the Holy Spirit, breathe out the God, the ways in which I continue to just to walk away from you, the way I, I, I'm rebellious, the way I follow my flesh and sin. I just breathe that out and I breathe in more of you, Holy Spirit. Okay. So be filled with the Holy Spirit. And second, be quiet and slow. Just be quiet. Some of you just need to be told, shut up, man. I had to to do the shut up, man. You got to just stop. You'd be surprised at how clearly you can hear what God's put inside your heart, your mind, your spirit. Third, be biblically informed. As I said before, biblically informed is not just knowing the 10 commandments. It's not just knowing that uh, you've read Leviticus all the way through once and patted yourself on the back. It is, it's not just knowing the moral teaching. It is biblically informed means it's knowing about God and his story and getting a sense of who he is because you've been steeped in his story over and over and over again. So be in the word. It'll help you know God's heart. And I don't know what I'm on three, four, five. Practice humility and listening so that you can hear somebody else speak a word that you didn't understand the way that they understand it about the world. Have you seen the social dilemma, by the way, on Netflix? I'm going to talk about it next week some more. You got to go 
go get Social Dilemma on Netflix and watch it and read it. Here's the scary part. The scary part is technologically we're inclined as well as emotionally we're inclined to keep reading the same kinds of thoughts over and over and over again and we never get challenged to think out of one way of thinking about anything. Well, how can we hear God if we're not open and listening to new things? And then last, practice the presence of God. Practice the presence of God. Listen for him. Walk every day believing that he's present with you. Talk with him. Ask him if he wants to speak to you. Ask him if he wants to show you something. Know that this very real God is with you every minute of every day. This is how we begin to get in the place of being able to know God's leading toward how we love the world. So refreshing love is always the way God's always um, uh, told his church to love. We love the way he loves, but we refresh that by asking who's in my sphere of influence and uh, what's in my heart and how can I posture myself to make sure that I'm hearing God. Refreshing is a challenge to take in all the new data, all the new circumstances that we're in and figure out how we can join God in loving the world. That's our call as a church. And man, I just think it's such great news and fun and exciting to figure that out.